Tough tackles. He's at the 20, the 15, the 10. He's got speed. He's going to the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. Dawson out to Harris for a three ball. He got it. Kennedy looking, center shot. The Spartans are on their way to a win in the Rose Bowl. Completion. Live from Impact Studios, the only sports show from MSU campus. This is The Pack. And your host, Fino. That is right, everyone. Welcome back to The Pack. As Lou mentioned, I'm your host, Fino. And guys, it's finally good to be on air. We promised our listeners that we'd have that transmitter fixed. Guys, it's nice and fixed. We're back broadcasting all over the mid-Michigan area in the 517. Guys, number to call in as always is 517-432-3893 is our number. I just got so excited. Guys, we have to introduce that number. But more importantly, I got the four best people in the world alongside of me. Harry Jaden, how are you? Good, good. Doing all right. How are you, Fina? I'm doing not bad. You know, another parking ticket today, yeah. but <laughs> shout out to MSC Parking Service. Thanks for ruining my day. Just kidding. I'm talking sports. You didn't ruin anything. Goody, how are you doing? Hey, you know, I'm doing well. I got my car back a few days ago. It's nice. a lovely thing driving around. It's frigid outside. Yeah, it's the, rough the weather class. isn't too good. We'll tell that. Thank God we don't have to go back to Sue's class uh, right now. That's a very true <laughs> statement. Probably the only thing that can warm me up in this cold weather is Faith's mother's hot chocolate. Oh, tell her it's not too chocolatey. I like it. <laughs> Faith, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. I'm doing you know, I'm doing pretty well. You know, Surviving not, the cold. Right? If you see an Eskimo out there, it's me, for sure. Really? Yes. The girl in the Sorrells, it's an Eskimo. <laughs> uh, and Lou, what's going on? What's going on, guys? I'm doing pretty well over not here. Not too bad, Lou. Not too bad. We're live, as always, on the pack. 517-432-3893 is our number. And, guys, more importantly, we're talking a lot of stuff today. We, have, you know, we haven't really given our women's basketball team any love. So Michigan State women's basketball, we're talking about them. We're talking. What about these men's <laughs> men's and women's Olympic hockey? What they're doing? The women are going for gold against a brutal game against Canada. A rivalry that will be an excellent game, and the men's hockey team looks excellent. They get a bye. They're in the quarterfinals, and they play the winner of that what Slovakia and Czech game. So that's going to be a great game as well. And more importantly, we bring in our packed roundtable, and it's LeBron's comments about his Mount Rushmore. He said his Mount Rushmore was an interesting four guys. Kobe Bryant just came with his four guys. And more importantly, LeBron said that it's all said and done. He'll be one of the greatest players, top four, to ever play the game of basketball. And you know what? It's really hard to deny that on the clip that LeBron James is on because he's an outstanding basketball player. And more importantly, he's a great teammate. And I do think he's a great teammate. I know he gets a lot of criticism, but I think he's a great teammate. But what about this women's basketball team? This past weekend, they absolutely whopped Ohio State 70-49. to And first of all, those girls looked great. I want to just say that. They looked absolutely outstanding in the K-Yow game, the play for K. And a lot of people ask me, and Faith goes to you, she goes, you know, what do you know about the K-Yow game? And Faith, here's what I can tell you. First of all, the K, the play for K is named after Coach K-Yow, who's a, one of the a very famous and Hall of Fame coach for NC State Women's Ladies Wolfpack. So since Play for K in 2007 started, $2.8 million have been raised for K. Yow's foundation. $8 million have been raised by the, uh, by the K. Yow Cancer Fund in total. So that's excluding the Play for K playing series where 
they all these teams wear pink uniforms and, and, and socks and sneakers and just paraphernalia and memorabilia, and they auction it off, and all the proceeds go to Women's Breast Cancer Awareness, which is absolutely outstanding. You can't beat it. And it's the famous play for K and the K Yao Foundation quote, when life kicks you, let it kick you forward. And then that's a pretty powerful quote that, you know, K Yao used to always say, even when her, you know, even when she was sick and, you know, she, she was losing her hair, her ladies always stuck by her till the second she took her last breath on this earth. So K Yao, for me, has been nothing but an inspiration. What she's done for the women's basketball, what she's done for just the community of breast cancer, you really can't beat it. And honestly, they're a great foundation. So K Yao, I'm so glad there was the K Yao game this weekend in East Lansing. It was a very happy clip for the ladies, as I mentioned, 70 to 49. You know, they absolutely yeah, they led the those girls lead the way, really. And we're gonna Annalise Pickroll, 17 points from her. Becca Mills, 17 points from her. And Arielle Powers, 15 points. And those three girls for me, Mills, Pickroll, and Powers, those three ladies absolutely have the charge in them. And they're great basketball players. So bringing that, we'll bring in our two panelists that are talking women's basketball with me. It's Faith and it's Harry. Hmm. And guys, what can you say about this women's basketball team? They are on the bubble of the NCAA tournament right now, I believe. Well, who is it? Famous bracketologist for women's basketball, Charlie Cream, has Michigan State as an eighth seed, playing in the South Bend region and in the Toledo part of it. And they're, you know, eighth seed isn't too bad going where these girls are, bro. But to be honest with you, Harry, 17 and 8 women's basketball, this overall record, 9 and 3 in the Big Ten. They're in third place and they're ranked 23 in the AP. Not too bad for a Susie Merchant squad. Not too bad. And to see a team that's ranked number 23 on the bubble for the NCAA tournament is a bit weird. You don't see that often. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're only one point, one and a half games back from Penn State for the Big Ten lead. And we have a favorable schedule for the rest of the season. We play Wisconsin, at Wisconsin, Minnesota, at Northwestern, Indiana. None of those teams are ranked. We could win out. Penn State and Nebraska, the other two teams atop the Big Ten, play each other. Mm-hmm. So that will be big. Hopefully we can win out in ours and hope for... A, lo- a couple losses, a couple, a little bit of help from those two, and we can we can not have to worry about the bubble. We can win the Big Ten, maybe win the Big Ten tournament as well. So this is a good team. I wouldn't classify them as great, but they don't have to be great right now. Yeah, I think the, the the clip with the ladies is Harry is Michigan State women's basketball has everything pretty much laid out for them. Mm-hmm. They're seventeen and eight. They just had a you know at Nebraska they did lose you know seventy six to fifty six. So they lose by twenty. So a horrific game for them. They've lost to Nebraska pretty badly. They've lost to Penn State by 12. And the thing is, they beat Nebraska by 13 at home. So when you look at that, they split a series with Nebraska, but unfortunately they only played Penn State once. So really, Penn State holds controls their own destiny. But for me, the ladies really control their own in a way. I think if the ladies win out, they move over to 21-8, and and they have a decent showing in their tournament faith, it's hard to argue that these ladies will not be dancing come March. No, I think they're definitely a contender for the title. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're on the heels of Penn State, definitely. And like you were saying, they came off that really hard road loss against Nebraska. Yeah. And the, at this play for K game, they came back. Michigan State, the Spartans did show out, and they played a phenomenal game against Ohio State. They played phenomenal. But the my clip is with these ladies. All right, Michigan State stands in conference. Let's talk just in conference for a second. 17-8 and eight aside, Penn State's 11-2. and two. Nebraska's nine and three, and Michigan State's nine and three. Penn State's got has three games left on their schedule. They play a Northwestern team in State College, which they should beat. 
you know, 4-8 in the Big Ten, not too hot, 14-11 overall. But the, to me, the game that's asterisked is that game at Nebraska. And that's what makes me wonder Michigan State's regular season Big Ten title hopes. Really, it's in between Nebraska and Penn State. They need a, a Nebraska win in that game because they've split with those ladies have split with them. And then they need some help that way. It's just a lot of mixing and matching. It's going to be tough. But the good news for the ladies is they can get all the way up to second in the Big Ten. That's something to notice, Faith. And, Harry, I think you brought that up. They're playing the bottom half of the Big Ten for the last, you know, run of their mm-hmm. season. So I think they do have a chance to get some good wins and hopefully get up to Nebraska and Penn State. You mentioned they play the bottom half of the Big Ten. Their next game is at Wisconsin. Three, they are three and ten in conference. Then they're home to Minnesota. That team is five hundred six and six in conference. They go at Northwestern. That team's four and eight in conference, as I just mentioned. And then they play an Indiana team at home in their, I think that's senior day for those ladies. And guys, Indiana's four and eight as well. So all these teams may have winning records. Indiana's four and eight in the Big Ten, but they're seventeen and eight overall. When you look at it, it's tough to argue that Michigan State cannot win out. I think it anything less than 4-0 in these last four games, for me, for these ladies, is disappointing, and Suji Merchant would agree. I think that's the thing that matters to me. And when you look at it, the only way to do that is to keep getting the play at Ariel Powers and Annalise Pickrell. Because these two ladies, Powers 13.6 points a game, and Pickrell is 12.7. So that, to me, is the most important thing, is getting outstanding play out of those two players. Exactly, and this team is really balanced. They have Pickerel, Powers, and Jenkowska. I hope I'm saying that right. Tori. Yeah, Tori Jenkowska. Don't, don't hate me if I'm not saying that right. But they're all all averaging over 10 points a game, contributing on the boards and assists. So those are great players. And I do want to give a shout-out to Susie Merchant. She's done a great job. She's been here a while, and uh, she's done a great job rebuilding this program back to the days of Joanne P. McCauley. They mm-hmm. made the Final Four in 04 05, and I remember that was the year that uh, – they made the championship game in the men's basketball, made the Final Four as well that year. So that was a great year for Michigan State basketball. And this could be another great year. Both teams are doing well, both ranked pretty well in the in the AP poll. So may we have another run in March like that where both the men's and women's teams come around and have a deep run in March. Yeah, that's the thing. I think Susie Merchant, first of all, let me just echo Harry's statements. What Suji Merchant has done with this women's basketball program, who arguably have been living in the men's basketball shadow for so many years. Coach Merchant, if you're listening, what you've done to this program is absolutely outstanding and nothing short of remarkable. Because being in the men's basketball program shadow with Coach Izzo and Jed Hefko and everything that has really been in the aura of this program, to be the women's and to get them back to where they used to be is outstanding. And I think you're at the point now with these ladies is how can we get further in March? Mm-hmm. And how can we start winning games and going deep into tournaments? Because Coach Merchant is a great coach. There's no denying what Coach Merchant has done. But for me, with these ladies, is it's about now putting the pedal to the metal and finishing off plays, Faith. I think they're definitely needing to finish strong, especially with, you know, how they're ranked right now in the Big Ten. But like you said, Susie Merchant has done a phenomenal job of teaching these girls great team chemistry to work out and play off each other with great assists leading up to layups and everything. I think this team really does have a great potential. I agree. And to me, guys, what doesn't get spoken about a lot is the divide in women's basketball is insane. And 
for people that don't regularly follow women's basketball, look, there's a huge divide. Everyone talks about Gina Oriema's uh, UConn Huskies. Those lady Huskies do a great job. UConn is 26-0. and Notre Dame's 24-0. And this Michigan State ladies, the Lady Spartans lost 81-62 to against Notre Dame, Harry. I mean, I'm not even naming the Louisville, the 25-2. and South Carolina's having a great year. Stanford's perennial. Baylor, self-explanatory. Duke. Those teams are three losses and under. And Penn State sits all the way in leading the Big Ten at, at rank 9, 20-5. So for people that don't know women's basketball, Harry, the you know, there is something of the divide. So I think for Michigan State is how can, how can those ladies break that divide? Exactly. And parity has always been a problem in the women's game. If you guys remember, uh, UConn won 90 straight basketball games. I remember that. I think that streak ended in 2010, but that's a big thing. I know Notre Dame dominated the big, I mean, the national tur- NCAA tournament, sorry, last year. So it's, it's definitely, there's definitely a big step between being a top 25 program and a top five program. And that starts with recruits. MSU, MSU needs to do a little bit better with recruits. I know we got Maddie Williams a couple years back, but she was a McDonald's All American, uh, six foot seven center. And imagine a six foot seven woman standing among those six foot six three guards. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't see that many tall women in, in, the, in this world, honestly. So she would have been a great contributor for this team. She was destined for good things, but she tore her left ACL twice and her right ACL once. And mm-hmm. she's a redshirt junior now, and she doesn't look like she's going to be contributing much to MSU basketball, which is just so sad because, I mean, just off her size alone, she could have been a great player. Like Alyssa DeHaan a couple years back was 6'10". I remember seeing her in Best Buy, and I was like, this is on believable right I mean I can't imagine getting a shot up over that girl so that's a big loss for the Spartans and we do need better recruiting we do need but you know you mentioned recruiting and I think there's a lot of promise for this team I mean look at you mentioned you're like I hope I'm butchering this name right but look Tori Janikowska what about her younger sister is already committed to this program I think you look at her younger sister I believe her name is Victoria um, yeah, it's Victoria. Look, she's a shooting guard. She's a three-star you know, recruit. 88, though, on a scout's grade. There is promise. You bring the Janikowska sisters together, we're looking at promise. She's 5'9", but for the women's in the game and the shooting guard front, that's not too bad. I think Sue, it's kind of like men's football. And, you know, we just had Sean, you know, Sher- you know, Sean Scherer on and Enoch Smith Jr. on, and, we're, and, you know, they both were talking about coming in this program. I know it's a men's football to women's basketball. But to a football, yeah, there is a parity, but it's all about bringing women or men or these young adults and these young athletes into a program and believing in a program. And I think what Suji Merchant has done is, look, we may not have the best class. They may not be going to Stanford, Duke, Notre Dame, Baylor, UConn, but everyone's coming to play for these ladies' sparrings for Coach Merchant. They know what they're playing for, Faith, and they have great expectations. She's ultimately made this team desirable, so... I think when recruits do, when they are looking for schools to play for, I think it does make Michigan State desirable because of their success and how Susie Merchant has brought these girls up and made them an amazing team. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no doubt. I mean, Harry, look, when you look at what Coach Merchant has done, I mean, Faith, look, they're an amazing team, but like, I just don't think she gets enough credit. And I know I sound very redundant and I'm reiterating a lot, but. I just want to echo the sentiment that what Coach Merchant has done for this Spartan teams, when the expectations are starting to rise a little bit, but being in a men's basketball shadow, it has to be so difficult. Yeah, it is so difficult. But I do have to backtrack, and I disagree with you about the recruiting. 
mm-hmm. Coach Merchant does do a great job of developing players. I think that's demonstrated. She does. In, in uh, Pickrow's stats over the years, her sophomore year, she averaged 2.5 points. Junior year, nine, uh, 9.3 okay. points. Senior year, 12.7. So that's improvement, and that's what you need to become an elite program. But you see it in men's basketball. I think basketball is a different monster than football. Mm-hmm. I think you do have to have those top recruits. You see it in men's. We have trouble competing with UNC and Duke and Kansas and UCLA all year in and year out. UCLA's been down, but they've uh, perennially got great recruits, and I think that's because they just have talent to start off with, and they develop the players on top of that, and they they get uh, blue-chip recruits year in and year out, and we have trouble. We get a Gary Harris, a Gar- uh, Adrian Payne once every other year or something like that, where they're getting five-star recruits. They're getting blue chips every single year and just stockpiling talent slurs. Blue chips, there's five stars sitting on their benches rather than being the stars of their team. I mean, I'll say this, though, and I do agree with the sentiment that, yes, that you do need star athletes and recruits to be considered a top program. But we just mentioned it, guys. The divide in the women's program is immense right now. Look, as much as I love Susie Merchant and what she's done with the program, she does not have the pedigree as a Gino Ariema. She does not have the pedigree of the, sta- of the Stanford and the Duke and just all these, all these programs. And I think that comes with time as well. I think yeah. Susie Merchant has gotten better with time, but Gino Ariema, you hear the name. I mean, girls probably hear that name, and they just swoon to it. It's a dream. To Coach, Coach K to men's basketball. I mean, you hear that name, and it has such prestige, and they think WNBA, they think pro-level pro uh, developing your talent and stuff like that. So I think it, Susie Merchant just needs a little bit more time to get that reputation, and that's what it's going to take. It's going to take years and years and years of being a top 24th program and then finally breaking through, similar to the way a Pat Summit broke through I mean, after a couple years at Tennessee. And Tennessee has kind mm-hmm. of fell off now a little exactly. bit without Coach Summit. Mm-hmm. Guys, the you know with the you know with the Pondexers when the Diana Taurasi's with you know the the Brittany Griners I can just go on you know Candace Parker's these are all prominent names that have gone through these top programs Michigan State I don't think has ever had a, one of those prominent names ever go through their program I think that just comes with time you mentioned it Coach Merchant overall as a coach at Michigan State this woman is eighty nine and thirty eight so what she's done is. You know, it comes with time. She was very successful what she did at Eastern. She played basketball right here. She's from Traverse City. She's committed to the state of Michigan. She played guard over at Central. Like, this woman bleeds. This woman bleeds women's basketball. More importantly, she bleeds basketball in the state of Michigan. I think it will come with time, mm-hmm. but you got to have success in the tournament. All these coaches have won titles, have, won, have had names that have gone to the WNBA, and have done a lot with their careers. But what with Coach Merchant... And what this Michigan State team, it's really just going to, you know, just come with time. It's just going to come with time. I really can't reiterate it further. At Eastern, she was 147-91 and as a coach in conference 82-46. and Now, that's at Eastern Michigan. That's MAC Conference. It's a very weak level of play. But the point is, she finally gets noticed. Michigan State gives her some love. And then you just see it. She's getting better with time. And I think when going off what you guys were saying about the recruits, I think she does have great players right now on the team that are building that foundation to ultimately make an incredible program. You know, we're looking at Ariel Powers. She's part of the elite Big Ten rookie class. Mm -hmm. And that people people are going to draw to that because they say, oh, she's young and she can play. She Mm -hmm. averages 13.5 points per game, and that's the most an MSU freshman has ever had. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And just to, you know... 
Just a quick correction here. I said how Coach Merchant was 89 and 36. That's incorrect. Coach Merchant at Michigan State is actually 140 and 62. So what she's done is even better. I just had to give her a correction. Overall, as a head coach, Coach Merchant's 341 wins compared to 172 losses. She's successful. But what's the bottom line, Harry Jaden? She has never gotten past the Sweet 16. Mm -hmm. And for four straight years, she's been eliminated in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Her second year ever as a coach at Michigan State, her first appearance in the w, uh, w in the women's basketball tournament as a Michigan State head coach, she you know got out in the Sweet 16. But her first year ever, she got in the NIT. So you're, you saw some progress, and then you see some regression. So now they're at the point where, where are the women going to go? Are they going to go further, or are they going to regress a little bit? Well, we don't know. 517-432-3893 is our number, guys. But... Putting women's basketball aside, or rather, Michigan State women's basketball aside, let's talk about the success of the women's game. Because I think it's an interesting topic. A lot of people have come up to me, guys, and like, Fino, what do you think about the women's game? Will women's athletics ever be as successful as men's athletics? And it's a very sticky widget. And I say it's a sticky widget because, you know what? Women's basketball and just women's athletics in general are always going to you know, and, and I don't agree with this. I'm just saying what has been perceived overall is that women's basketball is viewed second to men's athletics. I do think that's incorrect, but it's a marketing and it's an you know it's an economic influence that influences that decision. And the big thing is how can you make women's athletics more marketable? People say the WNBA is not as successful. But last time I checked, the WNBA is raising its success levels, increased viewership, millions of dollars being spent on those TV rights and television and radio rights. So there obviously is some marketability in the women's game, Faith. I was talking to one of my best friends, so shout out to Alex Green. She um, is an amazing player, and she plays for Saginaw Valley State, got a okay. full-ride scholarship. And I was talking to her. I was, yeah, I was talking to her a little bit about, you know, what, what like how do you feel about the whole women's and men's? And she was saying how they're – their organization and their team were going through a little bit of a rough spell because the school wanted to bring up maybe how could we draw more people to come watch the women's basketball. And they were talking about making jerseys and making uniforms more showy, more revealing so that people would come. And I know Alex is telling me how upset she was just because they work as hard as the guys do and to have to reveal themselves more in order to get people to watch them. It seems a little bit unfair, a little lopsided. I completely agree with that. I think it's it's sad that society kind of devalues the way the women play the game by just trying to make them wear tighter shorts or tighter jerseys or something like that. I think that's terrible. I think that the passion, maybe they're not as high-flying. People are obviously going to be drawn to like the dunk contest, John Wall, Paul George dunking. Obviously, women aren't able to do that yet. You see more women dunking, more women getting up there above the rim, but... I think just seeing the passion when the girls are playing, I think that's awesome. And I think that's that's why I love sports. That's why I love watching it, just to see people do what they love and just having so much passion with the Spartans on their chest, just playing for their school, representing. And I think that's great. And it is sad the way that it's so... Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I don't mean to cut you off, Harry. No, I, 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 I really don't. But let me ask you guys both this question. If more, and this is going to sound, you know, don't take this the wrong way. If if women's if the women's basketball game if there was more athleticism or, or dunking or whatnot would that attract you to the game more than what's going on now? I think so. I think that's the the reason a lot of people watch men's sports over women's sports because there's more athleticism. There's more athleticism. It's okay. more high flying, more showmanship. 
stuff like that, I think that's the basis. Because I think if, if women are jamming the ball harder than men, they're running faster, they're jumping higher, I'm drawn to that. I'm drawn to watching the best product. That's what I'm drawn to. And right now, men are the best product, but maybe it changes, maybe it doesn't. I'm not a, sci- I'm not a scientist, so I can never, can never tell. I think men's basketball is definitely more showy, more flashy, more showboat, and all of that. Mm-hmm. I think that does attract a lot of viewers, but I think women focus more on just a solid play of the game. Let me ask you guys this. I don't know if either of you saw the NBA All-Star game yesterday. Harry, yes. did you see it, Faith? Yes. yes. What did you think of that game? Very flashy, no defense, a lot of athleticism. Was that exciting to you? I thought it was terrible. I, I think I think the point of the All-Star game is to see the greatest players of the game play against each other. Well, I don't want to Yeah, I agree. I just don't want to get sidetracked here from this discussion, but the thing is, I mean, is that what people want? Do they want flashy? And that's a to me, the game of basketball is defense, playing mm-hmm. strong and showing why you're the best. And to me in that game, it was just like they weren't trying, and they were just allowing these people to make these big plays. And it was almost like a self-promotion for each player. Like, what can they do? How, you don't get that in the women's game. No, you don't. But like Harry said, I would have liked to see an actual game. Play, the best playing the best. I mean, you can't get anything better than that. You got the best players, but you didn't get the best effort. The best exactly. game. Exactly. And it, I would have honestly watched a WNBA game regular season where the women are going hard over that All-Star game because that's not an accurate representation of what each player is as as a basketball player because they're not playing defense. That's half, if not over half of your game, the way you play defense. I, I mean, I'll say this. I remember it was 2004. August 5th, 2004, my only time I've ever went to the WNBA All-Star Game. I'm like, Fino, you went to a WNBA All-Star Game? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it was so attractive was, here's, the, here's just the backdrop. In order to allow these players to play in these 2004 Winter Olympics, the WNBA took a month-long break. However, prior to these teams going to Athens for that 04 game, they played the All-Star Game at Radio City Music Hall. Now, what's so interesting about that is Radio City... Guys, that is not a a sports venue, but they called it the game, and it sold out. It was an excellent game. It was USA versus the WNBA. It was an interesting theme, but the point is that game was exciting, and we saw some high athleticism, and we saw some plays. So that's the big thing for me is that's what I saw, and it was exciting. Closing thoughts, Harry. It can be exciting for me, but you got to have the right setting. Exactly, and you have to have creative ideas, guys that can – guys or girls, sorry – that can market the ideas, market the league, and – Make it watchable, make it viewable above the men's game, and I think that's going to be what we're seeing in the, in the near future. I think when it comes down to is if these, it, you know, if the ladies get proper marketing and get proper, you know, I mm-hmm. can't say proper athleticism because that's what they're built with. You cannot change what they're built with. But I'll say this: you cannot take away the effort for these ladies put on the court. It's a complete team effort, and I honestly enjoy the women's game. And I'm a big proponent of the WNBA and women's athletics. So, ladies, I'm giving you love here on the Pact. 517-432-3893 is our number. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Austin and Lube will be back here. We're talking Sochi Olympic hockey. Team USA, what they need to do to win a gold medal. And shout out to those ladies. You're listening to The Pact on 88.9 FM, WDBM, East Lansing. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. 
Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to coverage of Spartan sports like never before as we embrace the Spartan debate here on The Pact. That is right. We're back on The Pact. I'm your host, Fino, alongside, and the transmitter is back up. Our signal is clear in the mid-Michigan area. 517-432-3893 is our number per usual. But guys, let's talk about this Olympic Sochi hockey, and I think it's a big deal what the United States is doing, what the tournament is going on, and basically it's a great effort. But before we get into that, let's get our phone number. And, our, you know, our phones are ringing. We're back on the pack. Let's introduce someone to the show. This is Fino on the Pact. Who's calling? Hey there. What's going on? I'm Matt from Syracuse. Hey, what's going on? How's it going? Um, excited to be talking about USA Hockey. We were wondering... Uh, your feelings on this young USA defense moving forward into the later rounds against, you know, teams like Canada and um, again against Russia after they, uh, in 2010, they had a more experienced backline. We were wondering what your thoughts were. Well, I'll say this. I'll say the United, what the United States is doing is I think there wasn't a lot of expect, and I, I think there was expectation with this team, but a lot of things with this defense was, look, no one has really given this defense credit. You look at what the defense is doing now, and I think you're getting solid goaltending from Team USA, and I think it's the best goaltending in the tournament. That win against Russia, for me, was big time. I don't know what you thought about it, but for what I saw out of Russia was a good team, but United States a better team. Controversy or not, I think the defense is very safe to say that this team can play with anyone. Absolutely. I'm excited to be you know, talking to U.S. hockey again. I'm loving the show. Um, to listen to it in Bird Library up at Syracuse, all right? Thanks, Go. Talk later. All right. Well, nothing for my friend Gona calling in from Syracuse. And, you know, they're listening on the show. And, you know, I think it's about Team USA Hockey. I think what they're doing against Russia is pretty exceptional. It's my boy calling in from Syracuse, Gona. Big shout-out to you. Sigma Chi fraternity guy. Gotta love him. So, you know, I think it's a big deal what they're doing, Goodman. And I think a lot of people are giving them credit. But when it comes down to the... When there's, you know, big credit when it comes down to it. Look, guys, I think what Team USA is doing is exceptional. Absolutely. I think what really shocked me is going into the tournament, everybody was looking to Zach Parise. And I think Zach Parise is doing a wonderful job in that captain role. He's really stepping up, but he doesn't have a lot of points. Mm -hmm. Shocker for me, Phil Kessel is coming out in this tournament and playing absolutely stellar he's got four goals three assists a plus five rating you know only two penalty minutes he's really contributing to the offensive side of the play and with this big ice that you have in front of you at these olympic Mm -hmm. games there's so much more space to work with you need to be quick and you need to be strong on the puck and you have to be a good goal scorer you need to be able to score from any spot in the offensive zone and phil kessel is clearly showing that for the united states he is but you know lou when we bring bring in on this one I think you know kind of going off what Goodman said about Team USA look Zach Parise is going to be spotlighted every time I mean he's a great player and I can't stand it I'm a Devils fan saying it but the thing is you got to know where your goal scorers are and that's what he's doing absolutely I think Zach Parise is he's a guy I think he needs to step up a little bit more coming into the next rounds uh obviously the U.S. hasn't faltered yet two huge wins 
Uh, I think Phil Kessel, obviously. He stepped up. I know. I, and I think, Austin, you're right about the big ice. He's a guy who can skate, and that's definitely his best quality other than his wrist shot. But I think another thing that Detroit needs to be worried about, or not Detroit, I'm sorry, U.S., getting my hockey teams confused here. Uh-huh. Um, when the U.S. needs to be concerned about how they play in their own zone against a team like Russia and when they try to maintain offensive zone pressure. Now, in that game against Russia, without just a little bit of a fluke net play, they would have lost that game in regulation, you know. Yeah, but... Oshi heroics or not. I think they got outplayed in the third period. Yeah, sure, Mm -hmm. but they didn't. They won the game. So the way I see it, I understand your point, but the thing is, hypotheticals, if, 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 they won the game. And, you know, they got a break. You got to be good to be lucky, lucky to be good in this one. Absolutely. And so they won that game. You know, they're all, always calling it the all-star teams through the, throughout these Olympics. And I like to see it, of course, you know, the big NHL all-stars coming in and playing. Alex Ovechkin and Pavel Datsuk for Team Russia. Of course, they're going to carry that team. They're two of the most talented players in the NHL. Pavel Datsuk is the best two-way player, I think, in my opinion, in the game today. And Alex Ovechkin, obvious, obviously, is the best scorer in the game today. But against the USA, it wasn't enough, and it if they were to play him again, it still wouldn't be enough. Right. The USA is a lot deeper than Team Russia is. But even deeper than Team USA, in my opinion, is Team Sweden. Yeah, Team Sweden's a great team. There's no doubt about it. Not to cut you off about that, but my thing with Russia... Let's just talk Russia real quick, and we'll get into we'll Sweden. We'll, we'll get into Sweden. Because, <laughs> you know, I want to address Team Russia, what they're doing. The Datsu best two-way player right now, it's hard to argue that. We won't get into that right now. <laughs> but But the thing is... What Pavel Datsuk, I mean, it was Pavel Datsuk 2, Team USA 2, but, you know, it is a team game. They are top-heavy. Russia is not bottom-heavy. Defensively, I think they struggle, and I think they struggle in net. I think Sergei Bavrovsky is getting exposed, and you can see that. He's a good netminder, but he, to me, he's not in the same league as a Henrik Lundqvist and a Team Sweden. Mm-hmm. This is coming from a Devil fan. Mm-hmm. And he's not the same as a Ryan Miller, and he's not the same as a Jonathan Quick. And Team or U- Roberto Luongo. Or Luongo. But okay, Lu- or Carey Price, whatever. Carey Price. But yeah, the point is, it's a very fortunate situation for the 2010 Winter Olympic Hockey men's MVP to be your backup goaltender. And I think what the United States situation is, is extremely fortunate. It's a fortunate situation, but at the same time, they still need to perform and buy into the system. Props to Dan Bilesman because these guys with limited practice are buying in. I, I want to talk a little bit about the way the U.S. played in that Russian game mm-hmm. and how their zone entry in the, late in the game kind of changed. It, earlier in the game, I was wondering, you know, you had Bacchus rolling. He was the forecheck. The forecheck was terrible. I mean, it's because of that big ice dump and chase mm-hmm. is not your go-to move, and I think the U.S. need to work on that because when you dump the puck in, it, I mean, it's an easy out every time because you can't establish a forecheck because you can't close down all those angles. You know, there's too much work that the Russians do, their D. Now, you say their D is weak. We, well, their weakest part. I would, I would agree that they're the weakest part of the team. But they're not bad. most I'm of not their D, other than, absolutely, most of their D come from the KHL, where they play every year, every game on that ice. So they know how to headman the puck out of the zone. And that's where they, I think they expose the U.S. on their forecheck. 
You know, I was watching a little bit of commentation on NBC, and Mike were, Milbury. Don't even get me started. You know, they were talking about how Evgeny Malkin was struggling during uh-huh. these Olympics, of course, because of the big guys, but because his style of play is to bring in the puck and skate it up really quickly. You know, try to dangle around somebody. Sounds like Ilya Kovalchuk. Yeah, get that quick goal. And I actually don't agree with what you were saying, Lou. I think it is all about the dump and chase, and you know, going back to what I was saying earlier about the quickness, that's where the quickness comes in. You want to dump that puck in there, get quick, get to the front of the net, and get that quick pass for a goal. And, you know, for a lot of the goals that have been scored, that's what's been happening. They've been utilizing the fact that it's a bigger amount of ice, and you can get there if you have the quicker players. I, I'll say that. I, 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 right. I just got to say right. I completely yeah. disagree. And I think most of the goals have been scored on the power play because you get the opportunity to set up in the zone. And well, that's how when most you, schools uh, in hockey. Well, are yeah, well, t- but not it's not well, to the were, extent on the big ice. You were talking about zone entry. And yeah, the zone. zone entry. Let's talk about the dump and chase because I really think that the dump and chase. If you play your D, if you set your D up when you're getting, say the U.S. is coming on the Russians, they know how to carry the puck out. They know how to retrieve it. They know how to avoid those four checkers because they have so much room to move. Play without the puck on big ice is not your way to go. You have to play a puck possession game, and I think that you saw that the U.S. started to kind of slow down when they lost their legs chasing those dumps and then chasing the team right back out of the zone. But I think that's a gold medal team. You have to have your legs, you have to have your quickness, and you have to stay 100% for all the minutes of the game, and that's You wasted on the dumps. You waste your energy on the dumps. Guys, my thing is this. Hold on. My thing is, look, you can play the dump and chase game, but look, if you're going to play that way, you better believe your forecheck better be a plus because if it's not playing like that and if you don't have your legs under you that's going to be the most ineffective way of hockey you've ever seen it because in the second period later in that first really in that second dude their legs are falling out under them and you can see it they're getting beat they're getting you know russians are converging on this puck and it's looking bad but the way the thing is if you're going to play like that you need to be skating and this is a big ice yes the russians understand it but guess what there are more NHLers on that Russian team than there are KHLers. So mm-hmm. to me, everyone's on the same playing field. You're playing with this big ice. In Vancouver, they did not play an Olympic ice. They did not play an Olympic ice in Vancouver. This is a totally different animal. It's a wider ice. And I, I do agree. I do agree. On the power play, you're seeing more scoring because you have more space to set up. You can rotate better. It's more space. Goaltenders are going to be playing the puck more. The game is going to be moving quicker. But let me say this. You guys got to adjust. And whatever Mike Milbury said in ES, or ESPN, whatever Mike Milbury said in NBC, I'm sorry, just don't even listen to it. I agree. Uh, just don't even listen to it because, I mean, just, just well, let's just I keep have, it clean have, for on air. You know, I have my own opinions about this, and I, I truly feel that the dump and chase is the best style to play in the Olympics on the bigger ice. Now, if you bring it back to the NHL, dump and chase, that is old style. You need to be bringing in the puck through the blue line with your players following you and set up that way. The dump and chase does not work in the NHL, but I think that it works in the Olympics. And I think that, you know, players like Evgeny Malkin, like I was saying earlier, are struggling from that situation. I mean, I'll say this, and shout out to David DeFever, because he just messaged me, and he goes, Dumpin' Chape is no bueno. And, you know, I think, look, there's a lot of debate on how the United States should play, but let me ask you this, guys. If 
You're saying do not dump the puck. I think it's the complete opposite of what Austin said. I think in okay. the NHL you can do it because I, I, you can create havoc and you can clog I up. I, I, and that's I how you turn pucks over. You cannot turn pucks over on big ice I in one-on-one situations. I, I, I do. It I, depends on the strength of your forwards. It just strength, and it depends, like I've been saying, on the quickness of your forwards. The quicker teams, the better teams will win the game. It, it works that, in the NHL, Goodman, but this is, we're not going to talk does about it the work NHL. In the NHL, though, it does because the Devils it, are yeah, an, I mean, it, does, it does because the Devils are not a, a powerful forward team like a Detroit Red Wings team. And I know I correlate the Devils a lot, but you look at other teams that are not as talented as front as New Jersey. They run this style of play and they play very defensive, and that's how they dump the puck and they score because it's getting on man and getting people out in the front of the net. So I think in the NHL it does work, but in the Olympics you can get away with it, but you have to be skating. That's all I'm saying. Well, you know what? I'm just on that completely different side than you guys are. All right. I, you know, I'm The Red Wings don't need to do it. That's no, the it, thing. I'm not saying just the Red Wings. There are many, many quick teams, you know, that use that dump and chase method, but they also bring it in from the blue line, just dangling around players and getting the puck in there. Now, you know, it, it just depends on your style of team, which team you're playing for. You're talking about the Devils. We all know Lou loves the Boston Bruins, and I love the Detroit Red Wings. Three completely different styles of hockey. Now, I want to agree with you when you said earlier, though, on the fact that everybody's transitioning from that NHL mm-hmm. ice you know, true. to this bigger ice. It's Everybody true. is on the same plane. That's field. what I'm saying, so and, don't and, use and, that as an excuse. No, I'm not yeah. saying you are. No, absolutely not. And. It's just the fact that everybody is on that same playing field, and you know we're doing a lot of criticizing here. But it is hard. You only get three days of you know practice, and then you're out playing for your respective team in the Olympics. I think we should shift it. It's keeping it on that big ice topic, and how uh-huh. guys may or may not be used to it. I think it's pretty obvious that historically North American teams haven't done as well. Having said that, it, on in foreign on foreign ice. Having said that, I think this is a really good year as far as opportunity goes for the U.S. I think Canada has, I mean, I think they should be the favorite in every tournament, mm-hmm. but I think the U.S. Is, has got to be number two. I, I really th- do I think, think that. Their, I think the United States has the work cut out for them. Um, but let's take a caller. we got a caller. People calling in. You know, the number to call in as usual, 517-432-3893 is our number. We have a caller. Who's calling? This is Fino. You're on the pact. Hi, Bob. What's going on? Uh, not much. Hey, I'm listening to your hockey commentary, you know, and i got to believe that that Lou Divizio guy you got there, mm-hmm. I think he really understands that the size of the ice makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Because even though you got speedy skaters on the on, uh, U.S. team, you know, there's so many different angles that you can they have to play off of. They're just not used to playing that. So I think uh, i got to agree with him. I think it's the size of the ice. I, I mean... And I think when they, the U.S. won in that shootout, man, they barely made it to the shootout. So I guess that's all I wanted to say, and I just want to give you guys a shout-out. I really like your show, and I listen online every week. All right, thanks, Bob. Thanks for the love, and thanks for the call. You know, you know, you got to understand where Bob's coming from, and guess what? i got to kind of agree with Bob. The ice is bigger. Everyone knows the Olympic ice is bigger, and you need to play that style of play. These guys can skate. They can move. You look at someone like Patrick Kane, you can see this guy dangling in and out. These guys have tons of space. You can mm-hmm. argue that United States, they, they barely got to the shootout. They were fortunate to get there. I'm not arguing the, for, the fortune in the United States was in their favor, but the Russian fans still feel the need to protest outside the United States Embassy. But to me, the thing is, with this bigger ice, these guys know the ice is bigger. These guys know everything, what they need to do. But if you're going to dump that puck, you need to control. I think the most important for me is puck possession. 
I think you need to possess the puck. And with this Olympic ice, you can possess the puck because things can spring. We have no trapezoid. There's no delay of games. We're touching out of space and that ice. So, so for me, that's where you can test it and understand where you're coming from. These guys can skate. You look at Patrick Kane. And you look at some guys that are starring. Phil Kessel is starring. TJ Oshie, four for six in the shootout, starring. But if you know you got a guy like that, I have no problem with it, Lou. You're getting love all over. Bob's giving you love. And you know what? I agree. Absolutely. And I, I, let's get off of the big ice now. I think we <laughs> talked about that a little bit. Uh, but let's talk about this lineup and you know who we really think is going to do the best. I really, I'm looking for a guy like David Backus to use his physicality, which a lot of other, like Russia, I mean, you didn't see them lay in the body very often. Guys no. like David Backus, Dustin Brown, Ryan Kessler, I think they need to step up that physical game, start grinding a little bit. I, I mean, if you're going to do the dump and chase, I don't think you're going to turn the puck over, but one thing's for certain, you've got to punish those D. Even if they get a clean breakout, punish them. Finish their gotta, check. Yeah, make you them pay. Be physical. You know, and that's how you that's how you start turning the puck over once in a while. And you mentioned Ryan Kessler, and you know he was playing. You know he took that block shot right off the hand. You know what you always say when you're blocking shots, you have to turn your hands. That's over. the only thing you can do on the power play against those Russians. I agree. You got to block. You got to block. The shots. Russian power play is very strong. It's very strong, guys. I mean, trust me. I watched Ilya Kovalchuk in New Jersey, unfortunately, for three years. This guy, can Ilya Kovalchuk, is going to be a score on the power play. He's featured. Pavel Datsuk is featured. Mm-hmm. Alexander Ovechkin is fe- featured. Alexander Semin is featured. Even, you know, when Malkin you got Malkin on the second unit of your power play, you know you, know you got some you know. skills. It's scary. Yeah, that's when you know. I'm just naming guns after guns. They have weapons, but you guys got to know it. This D, you know, Gona from Syracuse understands it. This D is playing exceptional. And if they're going to get to that gold medal game, they need to play exceptional. I want to talk about Camp Fowler now that you brought up the D. Camp Fowler. Fowler's been great. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, from really close to where I live, I uh, played for Honey Baked, a really good youth team out of the Metro Detroit area. Yeah, I know Cam Fowler as well, played hockey with him. Cam Fowler, yeah, he's, I mean, he's really stepping up. And I think it's kind of uncanny. I'm going to compare him to a guy that uh, you're familiar with, Fino, Scott Niedermeyer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> the kid's a winner, and that's a fact. World Junior Gold, uh, Memorial Cup, which is the toughest trophy to win in hockey. Anyone at all. Me. He won that, and now he's in starring role for the U.S., putting pucks in. Uh-huh. And, you know, the guy, he got passed over early in the draft, uh, dropped to Anaheim, uh-huh. kind of ironically with Niedermeyer being in their office there. And it's... He knew. It, yeah. I mean, the guy's skating ability, he's a guy who can excel on that big ice. So and I he remember, has so far. You mentioned Scotty Niedermeyer, and hold on, Goody. You mentioned Scotty Niedermeyer. When Scotty Niedermeyer, um, you know, when he, dra- when he got in there and helped draft that guy... He said that Cam Fowler reminded him skating when he was younger. And Scotty was a skater, as you saw in 95 against the Wings. That guy can go coast to coast in a second. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the big thing is skating, getting your legs under you. And the D, if they can skate and play physical and finish off checks, it's really hard to believe that the United States cannot reach a gold medal game. They have a collision course, assuming with Canada in the semis. But I think the United States, everything is on them ready for taking. You know, another player that we haven't even mentioned yet is Joe Pavelski. He has a goal and three assists, four he's been points great. plus two. I mean, he is a great forward to have, and he's great for the San Jose Sharks, and he's been pl- playing great for the USA. It, like I was saying earlier, that depth is just so, so deep for the United States in 
these 2014 Olympics compared to the 2010 Olympics even. You know, they just have really rounded out that roster. I think Joe Pavelski, that's a, that's a great player to bring up because he's a solid guy to play that checking role center along with guys like, I mean, you could throw anybody in there. You could throw Backus, but I think Pavelski's the guy just Pavelski's because of his two-way want. pressure mm-hmm. yep, on yep, 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 yep. And, and you see, I think if the U.S. wants to win, and they've been doing this, it's their transition game. They're not going to be the team that, you know, sets up in the offensive zone. You that's see Phil Kessel. That's another thing that has to do with the ice, too. Absolutely, and that's why I think that those it's it's a rush game, and you see Kessel's first goal. If you haven't seen it, you should look it up. Um, but it, it, his first goal the other night in that hat trick game he had, I mean, it was a, it was, was a two a on two, was two on two, caught a guy who's not accustomed to NHL speed, not accustomed accustomed to silky mitts like Phil, mm-hmm. just tosses him inside, comes in. I mean, it was it was no chance. He so, can put him away just like Patrick Kane can. Both of those two players on the USA team, that's crazy in my mind. Let me ask you guys this before we take a quick break. Uh, your MVP so far for this men's Olympic team, For let's just talk USA hockey because we're focused on the United States of America here, you know, but your MVP so far, I'll go last. I have mine, but Lou, I want to know who, who your shout-out guy is. Uh, you know, early on, it's hard to say with these blowout yeah, wins. It's but so premature, but I, we're just I, throwing names I, out. I'm going to throw Johnny Quick just because of that game he had against Russia. It's, I mean, without Jonathan Quick on that one, it, I don't think it would have been. He made some big saves. Yeah. Hard to argue that. What do you got? Lou, I actually want to ask you a question. Who do you think is going to step up for the United States come, you know, these medal round games? I think a guy like Parise and a guy like Callahan, two guys who are captains of their teams, I think they really are going to be the I guys. Two guys I can't stand, but... <laughs> well, yeah. they're, they're Americans. I can stand them. Just, <laughs> just saying that. But those are guys who, or I guess Parise is not a captain anymore. I'm sorry about that. But, no, but I mean, these these are guys who are leaders. They're not exa- – I mean, I, th- I think those are the guys that are going to step so, up. So, okay, so you mentioned the guys are going to step up, and I agree. Parise will step up, but who's your MVP? My MVP is Phil Kessel. You know, I brought him up first. I mean, he has seven points. He comes out in every single game, and he is just playing the best hockey that I've seen him play in a long time. And it transpires right back to the NHL how Toronto's doing this season. Him and Van Riesdijk look great. Oh, yeah, they do. I mean, James Van Riemsdyk and Phil Kessel have been outstanding of late. You know, believe it or not, guys, I was in between. Hold on, Lou. I was in between Quick and both Phil Kessel, but I had to give the nod to Phil Kessel. Yeah. You mentioned the seven points is too much. I mean, the guy's all over the place. He's playing excellent hockey. That doesn't necessarily mean that he might step down in those last couple. games. I'm saying though. right now, I got Phil Kessel, mm-hmm. but I'm looking to be more of a team effort. Lou, closing thoughts. Uh, it's it's basically what I was going to say. I say, I mean, we got to see how Phil plays out of the prelims. You got a five-one game and a. What was it? Six one game. You got a seven one. You can game. rack up points seven, in games like that. You got a seven one game, whatever, a five one game, and yep. a three two and a shootout. I don't. I'm just a little skeptical on Phil in these big pressure games, Let's and that's see, why though. I pick. We will see, but that's why I pick some grinding guys, some leadership guys, and I think they're going to be the ones that step up. It's hard to argue that Zach Parise won't step up, guys. But the number is always. Thanks for the callers in the segment. Five one seven four three two three eight nine three is our number. We're going to welcome back Harry and both Fate to the roundtable. When we come back after the break, we're debating LeBron James's comments about his Mount Rushmore. Do you agree? And do you think LeBron will be the best four, the one of the best four players in NBA history? Because LeBron surely thinks so. We'll be back. You're listening to the Packs on 88.9 FM WDBM East Lansing. 
Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building? Without all that smoking? Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Prime Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. And now back to the Pact here on 88.9 FM. is right everyone we're back on the pack i'm your host fino alongside last 10 minutes of the show we're going to be talking about our packed round table and more importantly these comments really about lebron james's mount rushmore how it varies lebron's mount rushmore and how kobe Bryant just released his mount rushmore must be a very slow day in the nba with nothing really going on number to call in as always 517-432-3893 is our number we welcome Faith back, Harry back, and guys, LeBron James is Mount Rushmore. First of all, LeBron said he would be one of the top four players in NBA history. We could debate on that in a second for hours about how, if you agree with that statement, but more importantly, I just want to read off LeBron's Mount Rushmore to the listeners. He said Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, and Oscar Robinson for me was an interesting pick, and just released today... Kobe Bryant released his Mount Rushmore, which was also MJ, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. But instead of Oscar Robinson, it was big old Phil Russell who just celebrated, I think, his 80th birthday. So happy birthday, belated birthday, uh, Bill Russell. But guys, I mean, first of all, Lou, do you agree with LeBron James' comments? First of all, if he's going to be one of the greatest four players in NBA history. And first of all, do you agree with his Mount Rushmore? But answer the first one. As much as I really don't like him. Just because of, honest, I mean, it's why everyone doesn't like him. That press conference that was disgusting, and I still hate him for that. But I do, I do think he will be one of the best four players of all time. I don't think anyone can really question that. It's sad that you can't even debate that. Actually, you can. That I'd be ignorant. If you I can said debate it. it but you can debate it. I, I think just it's think it's a losing battle. I do think so because right now, what he's accomplished is whoa. You, you know, did you guys? You guys watch the NBA All Star Game? I know. Mm. Did you guys watch it? Yeah. All right, did you see how in the warm-ups they had this, they're like these like varsity jacket looks? And in the E's, the E or the W for West, it had all their accolades of what they'd done over their NBA career. I and thought that was a pretty cool thing. That was really cool. <laughs> Guys, LeBron James' accolades couldn't even fit on the letter. They were just, they were putting stuff in like in his armpit at one point because he, <laughs> he, he didn't even have space, bro. But to me, I, I'm just curious to gather everyone's comments here. Faith, what do you think about it? You think LeBron will be one of the top four best players in NBA history? Well, I think 
like you were saying, LeBron is pretty arrogant, and that's what I think. But yeah, I mean, assuming that he'll stay on the track he's been on, I think it's yeah, it's pretty hard to debate whether or not he won't be up there. Yeah, I mean, it, you it's hard to debate that. What LeBron has accomplished so far in his career, guys, the MVPs, the finals MVPs, the finals, the, what has he been to, three straight finals? I mean, I think, yeah, three straight finals now. You know, I think the Heat will go on to another one. It's hard to argue that LeBron isn't on his fast track to being one of the greatest players ever. I think to become the greatest player ever, you need to have the attitude of the be- of the greatest player ever. To yeah, me, LeBron but- James does not have the attitude of the greatest player player ever. He's a monster on the court. He's a monster off the court. He's massive. He's one of the most freakish athlete superstars that any sport has. The NBA, the MLB, the NHL, anything. LeBron Dr- LeBron James is a freak of nature. Right now, I do not think that he would belong in a Mount Rushmore, you know, NBA style Mount Rushmore, you know, collage of the best of all time. I don't think he's reached that yet. He has done a lot of things in the NBA and he's only 29 years old, but there are other players that have the right to say that they are one of the greatest of all time I don't th- already. I don't think he's advocating to be on Mount Rushmore now. But I'll say this before we get into Harry Jaden. I think he does have the attitude of a winner because, you know, you can say how he he goes about his business. He's quieter of late than when he was younger. But guess what? He's got to have the attitude of a winner. And I think he has the attitude of a complete winner. I completely agree. A lot of people say, oh, LeBron's arrogant for having these comments about how you he's going to be You've got to be confident, right? Exactly. If Michael Jordan says, says the same exact thing, oh, he's got the killer mentality. Now, it's just double standards for LeBron and Michael. It's just, I think it's a little bit of nostalgia. But I do disagree with LeBron in the fact that I don't think he's going to be top four. I love LeBron. I'm team LeBron all the way. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, the top is just crowded. You have Magic. You have Michael Jordan. You have Bill Russell. 11 NBA championships. Revolutionized the center position. Abdul Jabbar, mm-hmm. six championships, leading all time scorer in the NBA. That's just four there, probably eight or nine that are ahead of LeBron would, right now. I would completely disagree. I think there's a difference between confidence and like cockiness or arrogance. I don't okay. think he's cocky. So, so, are you cool? Do you think Michael Jordan is arrogant? Would you say Michael Jordan you can argue, is arrogant? You can argue that. You could argue that. You could argue that. I think Michael Jordan is way that. more arrogant than LeBron was. If you listen to Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame speech, it was not him saying thank you to everybody. It was him calling out everybody that disrespected him in his career. But do you think LeBron would thank everybody? I, I, and I don't have a problem with that. I don't I have think, a problem with Michael Jordan. I'm I just think saying... Le- that's part of being a great player is you have to believe that you're the greatest. You have to believe it to your core. And you can argue to the that point that of narcissism. You can argue that yes, you can say that. You can argue whatever about his press conference. I, he regrets that press. He regrets the decision I mean, thing. He regrets that completely. So I think it's a different player whenever you bring up LeBron. But guess what? I think when it comes down to it, you got to be arrogant. But I don't think he's cocky. I think every good player is cocky in a certain way. I really do. And that's what makes him great cocky is saying, I want the ball with five seconds to the left to go above all my teammates because I think I'm going to make it. You could say that's cocky, but you need to, do, to, to, to have that gene if you want to be a great player. And speaking about LeBron, he did have a, have a press conference the next day talking about who he snubbed and how he snubbed some great players on that list. So, of course, the media didn't, didn't report that. But oh, The media just wants to portray him as the bad guy. You know yeah, that. I agree. Typical media. I th- yeah, I mean, media. Typical. The media is terrible. Yeah, we're all bad people. Yeah, I think it's pretty tough. I mean, this is. I mean, I think it's just a fun little thing to do. Pick your Mount Rushmore, but I, I think it's reading into it a little bit too much. Obviously, yeah. you're going to snub guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's four guys, it's and four how guys long are the history of the game? You know, it's. 
and there were some amazing guys. So I, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't surprised that he left off Kobe, although I, I think that that <laughs> definitely should be a consideration. Kobe. To be honest with you, I think Kobe Bryant is one of the top five best players in NBA history. But no, I, I, I think I would put I would put him on there for sure. But okay. I, I'm not surprised I LeBron would. did. To me, but that's a totally close. another discussion. <laughs> Just start it out there. I mean, guys, but like when you look into it, LeBron James is who LeBron James is. I think over his career, he has done a lot. To, I don't want to say better himself, but you know I think he's learning as he's going here, Harry. I agree, and I think this this summer's free agency, if he opts out of his contract, I think that's going to be huge for his legacy because I don't think Miami's got any more titles with him with their current roster. Wade is aging. Bosh is not who we he, who we thought he was in Toronto. He's not the great player who could be the sidekick. So I think he's going to have to move this summer if he wants to keep winning. Nah. If he wants to be the top nah. four. See, I would agree with that. He's staying in Miami. In order for yeah, him to I be on like the top four. I think on Mount Rushmore or whatever, he needs to get a few more championships. He's going to. Bill Russell has like 11. I mean, no one's catching Bill Russell. Oh, yeah, but still, he has to get a few more at least to be up there. Yeah, but the thing is, I think it's safe to say, I think Wade and LeBron together work very well. And I, I, I think they work very well together. Look, Wade won one without him. Yeah, so I agree. Wade I knows agree. what it takes to win. Wade in the finals can score 35 points. Wade can, but he's getting old. Those knees are kind of giving out him. This year he's been in and out of the line. What about Kobe's knees? I have him on my fantasy basketball team. Oh, you're Come killing on. him. Well, I think Kobe <laughs> realizes that he's playing. reaching the end of his I still career. think yeah. Kobe wins one more title. You think? Uh, it's Ooh, Kobe really? Bryant. So? With the it's, Lakers looking where they are. It's, dude, it's, Kobe, it's Kobe Bryant. I think that era is over, Fino. It's Wait, Kobe, dude. You can never count out Kobe. Maybe if LBJ decides to bow out. In uh, L.A., maybe he'll get a title. Yeah, but I, 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 I think he, he does. I, I really, I'm not saying he definitely will get one, but like all I'm saying is, I think time. definitely will get one <laughs> in a world. But like the whole, but but the whole thing is for me, I think you can't count out a Hall of Famer. And I think the big thing why I say he has to move is because teams like the OKC Thunder with the the young core of Westbrook and Durant, and teams like the Golden State Warriors with Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Iguodala, those teams are going to be great, and they're going to be great for a long time. Oklahoma City can't even get through San Antonio, so once they, they can didn't get through... have Westbrook last year. So yeah, okay, I get, him this but that's year. injuries. Yeah, he's always injured, but if he stays healthy, those young teams they're going to get better and better, and I don't think this Miami team is getting better and better. So I think I think James is going to have to move. If he I don't think he's going to. Let me get. Please, please tell me now. Is he going back to Cleveland? That would be awesome. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. I don't think so. I don't think so. He could win a championship in Cleveland, though. Oh my God! I think if Cleveland, if, I think the curse on the state of Ohio is just too big. Yeah. If LeBron, I think Dan Gilbert would love that. Those oh, fans, after after the day after the day after said he was going to win a title without LeBron before he does or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, LeBron's got two. <laughs> so the whole thing is, look, guys, whatever you take out of this, you it really doesn't matter because you know I think LeBron's going to do what he can to promote his career. Well, and Steve Smith is sitting down with him today to talk about it. And what do he say? Real I, know, quick. I mean, it's going to air live at. Like nine, I think. Oh yeah, sorry. I thought you know the inside. You got the inside scoop. <laughs> oh yeah, I know the inside. It's got the inside scoop here on the pack, guys. <laughs> guys, a special thanks to all our guys and all our people who really called in today. Number as always to call in is five one seven four three two three eight nine three. Is the number per usual, guys? We're back. We're live. The transmitter works. Who would have thought? Eighty eight point nine FM is the pack on WDBME slanting for Harry, Austin, Faith, thanks. and Lou. I'm your host, Fino, signing off. We'll catch you every Mondays from 7 to 8 in the basement of Holden Hall, East Lansing.